Hello and welcome to this ghoulish edition of the Boundless Book Club, where we'll be talking about all things scary. You're here with the usual Emirates Literature Foundation team. Annabelle. Ahlam. And me, Andrea. Today we're joined by Jessica Jarvley, author of domestic noir thriller novels, When I Wake Up and What Did I Do, available from all good bookshops. Lovely to have you here, Jessica. Here in the Northern Hemisphere, the days are getting shorter, the evenings darker, even here in Dubai, where it's still quite hot and sunny. So as we get closer to Halloween, we've been thinking about all the things that scare us and our fascination with the dark side of humanity. So for anyone who's listening only, rather than watching this on YouTube, I just want to take a moment to paint a picture because everybody has made a phenomenal effort and you all look wonderful. Annabelle has uh, some very uh, fancy devil horns with a bit of red sort of fluff, which is very fetching. I'm, I'm, a, de- I'm a demon who's working from home. You know, I've been affected yes. by the current situation. <laughs> of course. And her den of cobwebs. Aklam has a, a very fetching uh, pumpkin witch situation. <laughs> and Jessica, I don't even know how to describe you. You look amazing. Someone help. <laughs> Day of the Dead. Yeah, inspired by Coco. Uh, it's phenomenal. So I, if you're listening, then please go onto the YouTube after, the, after you finish listening and look, because it's, it's wonderful. Andrea, please describe your outfit for today as well. Well, I'm sort of rocking a Jack Sparrow, you know, undead of the sea type of situation, I think. <laughs> yeah. And you've got a giant yeah. tarantula in the background, which I really appreciate. Yes. Great. Yes. And my Thanks. finest skeleton. <laughs> I also brought a friend. I don't know if you saw my friend in the corner here. He had a rough knife. I didn't see your friend. Does he have a name? <laughs> yeah, Barry. Barry. Oh, Hi, Barry. Yeah. Barry. Barry the skeleton. Lovely. My friend still has his uh, price tag on. <laughs> <laughs> well, I hope you're not planning to return him. <laughs> I don't have a, a skeleton, but I do, I do have a dead mole that's been taxidermied by my own hand, which is, you know, fairly creepy. <laughs> Very creepy. I feel like this is absolutely the time for you to share the creepiest hobbies you have. So taxidermy, I didn't know that about you. I um, I went to London and I decided that uh, on one of those days I would learn how to taxidermy things. And uh, yeah, it was it was exciting. Yeah, it was good. Brilliant. (laughs) (laughs) Before we get to the books we're going to talk about today, I wanted to I've been thinking about this and I wanted to ask you. What are the scariest environments that you can think of? So, so would it be something that is familiar or would it be something that you see perhaps in horror movies like the haunted castle with a dark forest roamed by wolves? Like what's, um, what frightens you, Ahlam? It's definitely the parallel universe concept for me and the, you know, ghost children. <laughs> yeah, I'm fine with, with murder films. Like when we were like growing up and there was like Scream and, uh, how, you know, a ten, what, what's the other one? Um, I Know What You Did Last Summer and all this kind oh, yeah. of stuff that we used to watch. That's like fun stuff to watch. But these days, <laughs> like, uh, I don't think I've watched the horror film in years, to be fair. It's just not my thing. Haunted, my, I have a cousin who loves like haunted houses and she's always begging me to go <laughs> with her. And that's like the worst the worst scenario possible for me. When IMG first opened, I went with my my cousins to, to this haunted house. I, I basically closed my eye the entire time and they held my hand. <laughs> yeah, that, I'm with you on that. <laughs> Why would someone put themselves in that kind of situation? I, I have never understood. Adrenaline. 
Um, what about you, Jessica? What do you th- what do you think is a scary environment? Um, well, actually, I was doing some research for um, for a book, and I was down. I was on a peninsula in Sweden, and I climbed down uh, these really steep steps to get to the seafront uh, to go into a cave, and there was literally no one there, and it was so spooky because I remember thinking if something happened, nobody would have a clue. There's no one here. I can't call anybody for help. You just have the sea stretching out in front of you. And you have all these rocks that you have to climb. And I actually, I got such a fright that I actually fell and, and oh. broke <laughs> Yeah. Oh my God. It was just a very creepy. I think I'm so conditioned that I'm constantly around people, you know, having a big family, but also living in a city that is just being in that really super quiet mm. uh, place. It's beautiful, but also kind of freaky. Yeah. I find it scary in the, when you're sort of on your own in the countryside. Yeah, but I think that's from from watching movies, probably. Yeah, and has anybody been to uh, has anybody been to Universal Studios in LA? They have a uh, The Walking Dead. You can go, yeah. you go in through, and they have all these actors who are basically zombies. <laughs> it's super freaky. I really rushed through. Is anyone is anyone creeped out of the shower? <laughs> Looking behind you in the shower. <laughs> <laughs> yes psycho ruined showers for me um. also this is this is must be a really weird one but I, I know i know someone else who has this as well i used to and still do get very when i when i swim in a swimming pool part of my brain thinks that there's a great white shark in there <laughs> and it's the part of my brain that is completely stupid because what why <laughs> many reasons that that wouldn't work but yeah, no, it's just this, it's, it's endured from childhood. But um, there were, there's a great white chasing me when I, when I go swimming. So I don't, <laughs> I don't like going swimming in swimming pools alone. And it's weird. It's like, it's there in the swimming pool, but not in the sea. That was going to be my question. <laughs> what about the sea? Where they live? I don't, I don't know. It just, I don't know where this comes from. That's crazy. But the sea, sea is one of those crazy things, which is stunning and gives you so much peace. But at the same time, it's pretty scary, mm. the yeah. infiniteness of it and the depth. And you have no idea how, how deep it can go and, and what's down there. Yeah. <laughs> and you know, as, as, how, how safe can it be, right? They, people can say to you that, oh, this is a really safe beach. But how do you know? How do you know that there won't yeah. be a creature from somewhere popping up one day? I mean, the ocean belongs to every creature in the sea, right? I, I wanted to ask you something as well, Achlam. So Je- Jessica and I obviously are both from Sweden. I grew up with like the culture of sitting around the campfire and telling ghost stories. Mm. Do you do that here? Um, I mean, yeah, there's there's a lot of like folklore tales around like jinns and, and things like that. And like the, the creatures, there's there's also like Omidue. She's like a character from the ocean. And um, yeah, there are definitely scary, uh, scary stories like that for kids. But also, you know, there's certain houses in in certain like areas like that, that people just know that that house is haunted and, and it's talked about. And it's like, oh, don't go into that house. It's been deserted for like years. And, and we know that there is like things going on. And then you'd hear stories of like teenagers creeping into that house like. <laughs> and do they creep back out? <laughs> yeah I think they do and and we all had um Ouija boards did you guys have that too yeah that's actually how the book I'm going to talk about that's how it starts off with that and it's super creepy <laughs> oh really so yeah. in Arabic it's like Karawija. that's what it's called <laughs> what about you Annabelle do you want to do you want to start telling us about your book 
Okay, so the book that I'm talking about is actually kind of perfect because we've got Jessica here, who is a crime writer, because there is a mystery and a crime at the heart of this book. And it's got a little bit of everything. So it looks kind of like it would be about demons and maybe kind of some biblical elements in there as well. And you'd be right. But there's also a really tender love story at the heart of this as well. It's, it's got 50 chapters and they're separated into five different sections. And, and each section has its own kind of tone, mood and style of, of voice. So there's a section of the story where you're going back into uh, these characters' childhoods. Um, and that's a different style entirely. There's a chapter that is set from the point of view of the killer. So there's all these different things happening and you're never bored at one point in this book because there's so much going on. But the, the story basically revolves around this character called Ignatius Parrish, Ig for short. And after a drunken evening, because he's, he's depressed um, and the entire town believes that he is responsible for the murder and rape of his girlfriend. There's not enough evidence to say otherwise, but I'm not spoiling anything by telling you that he definitely didn't do it. And he wakes up one morning after this drunken binge and he's feeling awful and he looks in the mirror and he notices that he has these two horns growing out of his head. And as the day progresses, he realizes that these horns have given him certain powers that you would possibly associate with the devil. So people start confessing their darkest urges to him and he can also compel them to follow through on whatever they are. It starts with him talking to his girlfriend who has an entire box of donuts in front of her and she says, I really want to eat all of them. He doesn't register it at the time but he ends up going, go for it then and she just inhales these six donuts and he does, that happens with every single person that he comes across. And I think what's interesting about this is he's able to use those powers to find out who actually killed his girlfriend. So he becomes this kind of private investigator in this small town in New Hampshire. No one can see the horns on his head. They kind of forget about them when he's spoken to them. He, they, nobody really registers that they're there. And I think in the very beginning of the story, like, I think you get 80 pages in or something, and you already find out who the killer is. And it's a real bombshell moment. And you spend the rest of the book finding out why. It, and it's about that why. And it's also, as a whole, about why people do things and the nature of evil. So you have this character, Ig, with these horns on his head. He's not the worst person in the story. And I read this interview with Joe Hill where he was talking about the concept for the book and, and the hook. And he was thinking about a few things. So if I ask you this question, imagine if you knew the worst thing about everybody could you still love people? Like, could you still form connections that, with, with meaning? You know, what would that mean for your life? And also the idea of who's the most unlikable person and how do we make you care for them? And immediately his mind went to, okay, Satan, the devil, you know, how, how do you make the supervillain likable? And what he achieves in this is, is phenomenal because you're on Ig's side the entire time. And the worst person in this story is incredibly human. I think that that's the most chilling part of the book. It's nothing, none of the supernatural elements. There's, there's a bit where he's kind of um, conducting snakes around a foundry. Like it, it, all the trademark bits of horror are there. Snakes, devils, all of these things. 
and it talks about sin a lot as well and um there's definitely a theological side to this book as well but i'm not going to go into all of that because ultimately the scariest part of this book is the fact that the the villain of the story the real villain is a human sociopath and the chapter where you read from his point of view is terrifying because it really brings home something that i think You'll, you'll know from your own research for books, Jessica, and when, when you read or watch any of these true crime stories as well, that like Devils Walk Among Us. I was just going to say that I think you nailed it, Annabelle. Like the reason why true crime is so popular these days is because, you know, that is the scariest thing. Uh, people who live amongst us and, you know, and it's all subtle. It's not obvious in your face. You, you know, people have so many different dimensions to them that anyone could do anything and that's the scariest thought does it read like a horror novel so yeah that there are elements of horror in this but it it reads it it's more dark than than horror i recommend this even if you don't like haunted houses like you you can read horns but i i would say that if you're a person of of faith and maybe you're sensitive to certain things being said about religion you you might struggle but i would just i would just say there is never a point where it feels like the author is saying these things. It's because the character Ig is so disillusioned because of what has happened to his girlfriend. Um, mm. And it's, it's just kind of a portrait of, you know, what, what happens to someone when, when they lose the love of their life in that way, but with a bit of magical realism thrown in there. That's amazing. Mm. Mm, sounds great. I like, I want to read it now. Great. So who's going to go next? Yeah. Have we got any more demons in the books? I've got a vampire. Okay, let's let's hear about it. Okay, my choice for today is an actual horror novel, which isn't something that I read, and I read it a long time ago, and I think I probably, although it was really great, I probably won't read another horror novel because I get really, really scared, and this was terrifying. It's called um, Let the Right One In, which they also made into a film, and it was a stage play in London and in New York. I think it sold millions of copies in 29 countries around the world. He's been referred to as a king of horror compared to Stephen King. Sorry, the author's name is John Ivide Lindqvist. So he's Swedish. And it's, to me, one of the things that's really terrifying is that it's set in a suburb of Stockholm. That's like this grim, gray, kind of council estate type suburb that like I've been through that suburb. It's like a really, really tangible location from my childhood. I can picture all of these things happening and it's not like, it's not a pure horror. There's a bit of sort of social, social realism, social commentary in there as well. So it just feels really, really real, which makes it so much, so much more terrifying, I think. So it's called Let the Right One In which refers to uh, two things. So it's the reference of who we let in on our secrets and also the well-established rules that you vampires can't come into your home unless you invite them in. So um, the two main characters are Oscar, who's a shy and severely bullied, unhappy 12-year-old boy who lives with his divorced mother in this very dreary suburb. So one dark and cold and snowy night, a taxi arrives, Oscar is watching through the window and he sees this older man get out with a younger girl and a couple of suitcases, which is um, 
his new neighbours are moving into the empty flat next door. And this is quite an unusual way to move after dark without a moving truck, just a two suitcases. So he notices them move in, but he doesn't see them around at all until until one evening after dark. He's very ups- Oscar's very upset because he he is being bullied at school. He's he's um, stabbing the, this tree trunk with a knife to sort of deal with his frustration. And this girl appears and starts talking to him. And that's the first time he they they meet. And in very, very different ways, they are both victims. They find that they have a lot in common. And against all odds, they become friends. Now, Ellie doesn't go to school. She never leaves a flat by day. She is a 200-year-old vampire, forever frozen in childhood. And... She lives with this man, this older man who is immortal. He's a, a normal guy. Well, not he is not a normal guy. He is a he's a pedophile who's also a killer to, who um, provides her with fresh blood uh, to survive, which is why she stays with him. And it's just it's they are really traumatic twists in this story. And it's it's a horror, but it also has such a strong social commentary. And there's the bullying, and there's the the so many different unequal relationships that are really at the heart of the story. And and there's you know the this girl who's two hundred years old, but she is a child who has been rejected. Well, rejected by everybody. She has nobody apart from an abuser. And this boy who, on the surface of things, is, um, is weaker than her. She's, she, you know, she's a vampire. She's super strong. And she tells him to stand up to his bullies. And, you know, she defends him in a situation as well where he's physically being um, attacked. But at the same time, she, she has nobody. She's doing these things for, for her friend who hasn't even asked her to come into his home because... She can't come in unless she's invited. And it just it just gets really, really dark and frightening. And I, when I read this book, I would only read it in the morning. So I would have the whole day and the evening to forget about it before it was time to go to bed. And it's, it's, if you like horror, I think this is probably the book for you. It's, it's amazing. Sounds creepy and horrifying on so many levels. Oh, it yeah. really is. It really, really is. Have you seen the movie? I couldn't. I started watching it, but it was really scary, and I don't like to be scared, especially when it's in a real way. Mm-hmm. You know, I can, I wouldn't, I don't know that particular suburb that well, but I could potentially go and visit there. Like that's a real place, and I don't want to think about that when I'm in a real place. Could you remind us of the name? Let the right one in, and the the author is called John. I don't know how to pronounce that in an anglicized way. Lindqvist, Lindquist, I guess. <laughs> okay. And is, is the movie also called the same thing? It is. It's it the is, movie okay. and the stage play, both called Let the Right One In. Was that a recent movie? I feel like that rings a bell. It was probably about 10 years ago, I would guess. Oh, well, okay. Okay. I think the, the stage play was more recent, possibly. Mm-hmm. That sounds utterly terrifying. But like you said, you know, I would possibly read the book, but I definitely wouldn't watch a movie of it. And on paper, that doesn't really 
makes that response doesn't make sense to me because I mean they're always talking about this and and I feel the same way that nothing is like it's all worse in your head because of you know you you imagine it and you project your own fears onto what's in front of you and a movie kind of takes away that agency and yet I find someone presenting me with it a lot more terrifying than than reading it and I, and I wonder if maybe that is because rather than projecting my own anxieties onto it I'm softening it in my head so that I'm kind of protecting myself from the worst of it mm. I don't know yeah. what do you think about that I definitely skip bits when I read something that's too uncomfortable I kind of sometimes wish there was a trigger warning just above the paragraph to skip though because sometimes <laughs> you can't do that <laughs> Um, and yeah, definitely massive trigger warnings for everything with this book. Don't read it if you are in any way um, bothered by anything. By anything. <laughs> <laughs> if you're sensitive, don't yes. read. Yeah. But also I think visual, um, when something is visual as well as like hearing it or when you, when you interact with something with multiple senses, it always sticks a lot more. And like you say, like it's, it's being directed by someone whose aim is to shock you and to like <laughs> present you something that you wouldn't expect. Whereas I feel like when you're reading it, you're right. Your mind is kind of following its own logic, its own kind of framework in a way. And uh, so you keep yourself safe. I'm waiting for the book that changes that opinion for me though because mm. a, a mm. horror a horror writer like an, a horror writer is trying to do the same thing mm. they are directing you towards fear towards terror towards yeah. horror so yeah well, Jessica what do, what do you think about it yeah no I agree I think I think it does definitely access a different part of you that perhaps is a bit more hidden mm. and mm. that's also a bit scary right to confront that but I also read somewhere that reading horror is good for empathy because it means that we have to kind of relate to other types of people. I thought that was kind of an interesting take on it uh, because, yeah, I usually stay away from it, but sometimes every now and then I will, I will read um, a scary book uh, because, mm. yeah, because of the adrenaline, because it's kind of exciting uh, and it, it unexpected and the creative side of it uh, really interests me. Um, what you kind of do uh, in your writing to scare somebody and frighten somebody. I find that quite intriguing, but it's not my choice because I like to kind of be in a happy, positive state in life. And if you only read horror books and scary books, it's really hard to kind of maintain that. It's funny you talk about empathy because that actually comes up that in the same interview that I was reading where Joe Hill was talking about horns and kind of the thinking behind it he talked about the difference between terror and horror he, he was talking to someone about this and a character in the book um, that they were discussing says what am I feeling here horror or terror I think it's horror and so Joe Hill went on to say there is a difference terror is the desire to save your own butt but horror is rooted in sympathy it's really rooted in this notion of imagining what it might be like for someone else to suffer the worst. And I thought that was a really interesting mm. idea because I'd never really thought of them differently before. I hadn't. That's really, that's a great definition. Jessica, in terms of writing and are you ever consciously in your work, I know you're not writing horror, mm. but what is mm -hmm. kind of the go-to for you if you're trying to shock your reader like what are you tapping into anything specific how does it work for you yeah definitely I think there are scenes in both my books that are very uncomfortable 
And it's just that you have to, as a writer, you have to get out of your comfort zone and you have to just push it that little bit further because you know if you do, it's gonna, gonna get a reaction in the reader. You could keep it really on the surface and really nice and, and fluffy if you wanted to, but by going that step further and actually getting a reaction out of the reader, I think you've accomplished something different. Uh, I think that's what's so amazing about reading and writing is that you get to, um, to access that other part. You know, you live your life and you're very much like, you know, you know what you're doing in your everyday life, but you're taking you out, out of yourself and experience something different that is not your norm. And that's what I love to do. And I think by pushing it, um, I think comfort zone is a really interesting word uh, because do you want to stay in the comfort zone? Then you read the kind of books that are going to, you know, you're going to stay there. But I think most people actually do like reading stuff that's going to push you just a little bit. It's just in terms of how much do you want to be pushed out of your comfort zone? It sounds like Andrea's book was majorly out of your comfort zone, majorly out of anybody's comfort zone, really. Um, whereas the book I read is spooky and creepy, but it's not, um, it's not majorly kind of uncomfortable. You know, there's a difference. Mm. Tell us about it. About my book, yeah. I've got a, let me show you the, the cover because I read it on my Kindle. So it's called Frozen Charlotte. Have you read it? Anybody read it? Very creepy. I know, that's the thing. So I was going to go for, that's why I got the white makeup to do the porcelain doll because it's about porcelain dolls, but then it, it yeah, my creativity got another result. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, it's a, it's a young adult book. Um, it basically starts off with this girl. She's with her friend. He downloads this app with a Ouija board and something really scary happens. They release um, a dead soul he ends up dying and i'm not really a spoiler because all this happens in the first chapter and it sets everything into motion she goes to stay uh with her family with um her her uncle uh, and his family on this remote island because the spirit that they have released is her dead cousin so she goes there to find out what happened to her how did she die and she obviously wants to find out what's happened to her friend and she goes to this uh, it's remote island of Scotland called Skye. It's an old school for girls that has been converted into a family home. She arrives, there's her cousin Cameron. He's got a scarred hand. And there's Lilias. She has a fear of bones. And she's got, there's another one, um, teenager Piper, who is, seems a little bit too good to be true. And then there's Rebecca, who is the dead girl the spirit that she has without understanding that brought with her to the house. And the mother is absent in the book because she's gone mad and you don't know why she's gone mad. Basically, all these odd things start to happen. She hears things. The little girl uh, tells her that she's seen her arrive with this other girl. And, so, and then obviously there is a girl who died. That's why she's there, Rebecca. So she goes into her room and there is glass doors filled with little porcelain dolls and they are called Charlotte. That's why the book is called Frozen Charlotte. Apparently these, these dolls, these porcelain dolls were very famous in the 1800s. And um, when you look closely, it's, even though some of them have no arms, no, no head or whatever, you can see little scratch marks on the inside of this cupboard. So can I just, I was actually printed off an extract. Can I read something from yes, the book? Please. Yes, please. Yeah? Okay. The fingers were cold as ice, so cold they seemed to burn and blister my skin. I gasped in the dark and tried to sit up to reach for the bedside lamp, but then another cold hand grabbed my wrist and pinned it to the bed. Fingers entwined through my hair, yanking my head back down to the pillow, 
and suddenly there were cold hands all over me. They seemed to come straight up out of the bed, pinching and scratching and clawing at my skin like a hundred tiny birds pecking me to death. I opened my mouth to scream and found the hands were in my mouth as well, tiny little cold fingers far too small to be human. They were more like dolls' hands. Oh my goodness. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm never <laughs> sleeping with the light off ever again. It's so good. Though. It's got all these elements. It's a remote island. It's dark. The mother's gone mad. There's the burnt hand. It's, you know, it's got these little China dolls. All these creepy things are happening. You know, the remote location, death in the family. It's got all these ingredients. In fact, I like this so much that I've just downloaded the prequel which um, takes place when the house was a school building for girls. And I'm just at the beginning where the 17 year old girl, she's gonna be the teaching assistant and she arrives at the house. Um, then I just can't wait to get into that. But maybe not reading the right before I go to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like my cousin who loves all things scary is gonna love that book. Can you remind yeah, us of the, of the name again, Jessica? Frozen Charlotte. Frozen Charlotte, and who is the author? It's Alex Bell. We've done devils, creepy dolls, and ghosts, vampires. What do you have for us, Ahlan? I feel like mine is ending on a softer note. <laughs> so I have, I have a short story by Gillian Flynn, who is the author of Gone Girl. And uh, I listened to this story on audio, it's a thriller but I know Andrea, you've read it as well. It's like about, I think it's like a, you've read it too, Jessica. Yeah, so it's like too, yeah. seven it's pages. It's not a long, long read. It's a quick one. So it's about this woman who works at a palm reading place, but actually they offer a much more R-rated service in the back. <laughs> and so they have a clear divide in two different clientele. So the, the men come to the back and then the women <laughs> come for the palm reading. And uh, this woman who um, used to work in the back, but has recently been promoted to the front, it has, you know, she's, she's, she's she's doing these palm readings for people and she's she's obviously faking it because you're in the mind of um, you're in her mind basically when you're reading the book and you know that she kind of reads and studies the people who come in front of them and then tries to give them what they want to hear and and there's little cues that she gives them so that they give away little bits of information and then she builds on that um, and then one day this woman comes into the shop and she's distressed and she, you know, um, she's trying to help her out. And she, and then she comes back a couple of more times and then they figure out that there's something in her house. And she says, there's something in my house. Uh, and then also, you know, there's a stepson. So she's married to this wealthy man uh, and she, they have a son together, but there's also a stepson from a previous marriage uh, of the man. And the stepson, uh, Miles, and the book is a 15-year-old, uh, very smart, but also slightly evil <laughs> and, and uh, making his stepmom's life really, really difficult. But because he's so smart, he does them in ways which... Um, He's manipulative, very manipulative and sets things up and thinks about things really deeply 
when, when setting things up. But anyway, the woman asks this palm reader to come to their house and have a look. And she comes in with her little like stage and <laughs> the aromas and cleansing tools. And then she's looking around and she comes and she, she gives her a price and she says, okay, for $2,000, I'll do this for <laughs> 12 months or whatever. And the woman's like, no, no, I can't wait 12 months. Like you have to do it quicker. And so she, this woman interacts with Miles and um, starts to see things and starts to monitor the interaction between Miles and the stepmom and how the dynamic of their family is and what's going on. And then uh, very quickly, she gets tangled up in this like, there's a bit of a battle between the three of them where you can't really figure out where the evil is. <laughs> You know, um, is it Miles? Is it someone else? Is it the house? Is it so then there's like there's a lot of unexpected uh, little cues where you're like, wait, wait a minute. Like there's this could be an alternative story. Is it a coincidence at all that this palm reader was in this house and was this whole thing planned out all along? You don't know. But it's really interesting. Uh, it was a real nice change for me. And I like that I heard it on audio. It's really quick. So for I think on audio, it's like an hour, 15 minutes uh, long. So two car rides for me and it was done. And um, it wasn't super scary. And it was, it was just a bit of a thriller. Um, I enjoyed it. I think I'm ready for something a little bit more intense now. Pros <laughs> and Charlotte. What's your point when you were listening to it where you thought, hold on. Maybe this isn't what I thought it was. Maybe this is going to a very, very dark place. I didn't feel like, it, honestly, I, I don't know if it, this was because I was listening to it in daylight and I'm driving to work. So I'm not in a mindset of <laughs> sitting home and really like absorbing the whole thing. I was kind of listening to it with a lot of things happening, cars passing by and, and thinking about work a little bit. So it's very, maybe that affects your experience like if you're actually curled up in 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 your bed with just a night lamp and you're in a different you know you're completely focused and in that place and you know letting the the story take you in uh maybe maybe that's why but i didn't feel like the story um like it had twists but it had like plot twists but it wasn't like uh oh my god this scene is gonna traumatize me or like uh I, I totally did not see this coming or, um, but it's interesting. It toys with your mind a little bit. Yeah, a little bit, mm. a little bit, but definitely softer than everything that you guys have presented. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> but I'm interested, like after hearing you guys speak, I'm wondering what's something in between what I read and what you guys read, because I'm not ready. I'm not there yet. <laughs> Um, so I think you could yeah. actually read this, Ahlam. There's no creepy children or anything like that. It's <laughs> it's a story of, you know, love and, and heartbreak and, and all of those very human things. Yeah, I might. I think yours is probably uh, the one that I could read next and then Andrea's and then Jessica's. I'm sorry, Jessica. <laughs> like, I, think, I think Andrea sounds way scarier. <laughs> your choice just really really creeped me out maybe because you read an excerpt and, and Andrea you haven't read any parts of the book yet so I don't yeah. know what I'm going into <laughs> maybe that's intentional Andrea's yours sounds terrifying I don't I actually don't yeah. I love vampire stories but I I think that, that yeah no that is it's no twilight it really isn't <laughs> that doesn't sound like it 
There you have it, four chilling tales that will scare your socks off. We'd love to hear from you, so email us on comms at emiratesliptfest.com and tell us if you like scary stories, and if so, which ones do you recommend? You can also send us a message on social media because we are on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, under both Emirates Lip Fest and ELF Dubai, or ELF Dubai. And to those of you who have been sending in your comments, thank you so much. We love hearing from you, and we've had some great book and topic suggestions come through. One listener would like to recommend My Trip to Adele by Jordanian siblings Rania Al-Yasir and Ahmed Al-Yasir. It's a story about three separate people linked through their love for Adele's music. Sounds amazing. Another wants to recommend uh, or share their love rather for Istanbul by Orhan Pamuk with the words, I do not normally read novels about cities. However, this is one of my favorite books. He writes about his childhood, his influences and the places people should visit definitely want to recommend so some fantastic suggestions there do keep your comments coming thank you so much for joining us jessica it's been lovely to have you here on the boundless book club in all your spooky glory and don't forget to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and do leave us a rating as it helps other people find us as well that's all for today happy halloween